defense of the good old boys in the good old party, that's GOP, where extremists rule the day. But then, it was her choice to remain a member of a party that votes against women. To contact Governor Fallon, here is her office phone and fax. I am unable to find an email at this time, but uh, when and if you call, please keep in mind that although she is part of the problem, she did not create the bill, nor has she signed it yet. It is hoped she will do the right thing. And Governor Mary Fallon, if you want to send her a letter, I'll read the address, or if you're in Oklahoma, I don't, if I have any listeners out in Oklahoma City or you know folks, go give her a visit. Uh, so Oklahoma State Capitol is at 2300 North Lincoln Boulevard, room 212 in Oklahoma City. I can send her a postcard even. Uh, it's Oklahoma City, okay. 73105. Call on the phone, 405-521-2342. Again, that's 405-521-2342. Let your voice be heard. If you have a fax machine and you feel like sending a fax, why not do that? The fax number is 405-521-3353. And uh, then they have a quote from Susan B. Anthony, as there should be, I guess, in a lot of places. Uh, no self-respecting woman should wish or work for the success of a party that ignores her sex. And that's from 1872, a long time ago. The debate over our right to choose what's best for our bodies and our future will most likely outlive us. But... We fight because it's what our foremothers and forefathers did for us, and it's what we must do for our daughters and their daughters. It's been said in different ways that anti-choice legislation will never end abortions. They will only create unsafe abortions. Be sure we are, hashtag, not going back to the alley. And not going back is the only part of the hashtag to the alleys after that. Here are 13 large and small reproductive rights organizations and social media groups to visit slash support. They can offer information and or discussion about women's rights and laws against women. Uh, Planned Parenthood, NARL, which I hugely support. I also support Planned Parenthood, but NARL more so. Uh, Pro-Choice America. Now, National Organization for Women, uh, NAF, which is the National Abortion Federation, RH Reality, UniteWomen.org, Abortion.com, I'm glad that exists, uh, Fight Laws Against Women, We Are Fuse, and that's F-U-S-E, Abigail Adams Brigade, Pro-Choice Liberals, Stop Patriarchy Now, and Center for Reproductive Rights, also those last two, yes. Uh, the Guttmacher Institute is an excellent source of women's reproductive data and current legislation. Many thanks to Meteor Blades for reporting this news and for his continued pro-choice advocacy for women's reproductive rights. You can read the story here, and they have a link to that. And so we march on, and we are hashtag not going back. And you can find all the links to all these organizations on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash weeklyrev. I think it's time for some more music. Here's another song that was performed, and it's kind of angry, but also has a nice uh, beat to it. So play this music, and then we'll be back with some more stories, some positive and some... Mm, we'll, we'll, we'll find ways to, to make it positive. Yeah, my name is John Neffel, and I am an independent journalist based in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, I'm the, I'm the co-host of a daily podcast called Radio Dispatch, and I've got a new story in the Village Voice. So, uh, for folks who haven't read the the story yet, um, perhaps we can uh, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so it's a, a feature length profile of two leftist activists uh, from New York, and uh, I followed them for several months as they prepared to smuggle themselves into northern Syria 
to join a Kurdish militia that's known as the YPG, which stands for the People's Protection Unit. Very cool. Wow. So how did you um, first get involved with them? Yeah, it's, it's funny. Uh, the story really begins back in late 2011. Uh, I was covering an action um, put on by Occupy Wall Street yes. uh, in December of uh, 2011, and uh, I was arrested um, even though I was a journalist, not an activist, I was arrested uh, with 16 other people. And one of them was uh, a young uh, young activist named Guy Stewart. Um, and he and I ended up spending uh, 37 hours in jail together uh, as a result of the arrest. So, you know, we had a lot of time to talk. Yeah. And uh, we basically stayed in touch uh, over the years since then. And um, in January of this year, he sent me a, a Facebook message and said, I'm doing something that you might be interested in. So uh, basically from then on, he and I were in almost constant contact. Awesome. Very cool. Um, great. So, yeah, so I guess we can uh, talk more. I mean, we can maybe go back a little bit to Occupy. I remember because I left New York uh, in 2011 in the summertime, shortly before that happened. I remember following it, and I was in St. Louis in the fall. So I was uh, remember when that was happening there. And I do remember following online and seeing even the, the photo of you, of you with holding your glasses. Yeah, yeah, that one uh, that one was uh, shared pretty widely online, and it was it was strange to find myself being the subject of uh, of a what just is objectively a kind of iconic looking photograph. It was a very strange phenomenon. Yes. Yeah, and something similar um, here in San Francisco. There's been there was a lot of pressure to have the police chief fired, and thankfully he has resigned. Um, and a, f- a few months ago, folks took to city hall, and of course the police ended up harassing and uh, assaulting quite a few people, um, including journalists. So I think for for some folks who were not quite uh, were a bit surprised that that would happen, but that seems, seems to been have happening for a very long time. Yeah, I mean, I I really think that that at the at the local level, at the level of of mayors and police chiefs, um, there's been a, a serious lack of attention paid to First Amendment protections for for press, for activists, um, for assembly rights, um, and yeah, I mean, I really think that that one of the lesser told stories over the last I don't know five, six, seven years. Is uh, is like a real, just complete lack of respect for uh, freedom of the press by yes. by mayors and police chiefs, really across the country. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, have you um, encountered any more like violence um, in in your fields uh, since the Occupy movement? Uh, well, I was arrested a second time, um, also as a journalist, uh, on the one year anniversary of Occupy. Uh, but since then, there was there was a, a year where I had an official NYPD um, press credential, which I resisted getting for a long time because I don't think that the police of any city should be the people conferring the status of journalist or not journalist. Yeah, yeah. It's like you know, it, it seems to me a little bit like the um, the fox watching the hen house, as they say. Um, but after the second arrest, I kind of was just like, this is, I can't keep doing my job. Uh, I keep getting 
kidnapped by the state. Yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, I applied for uh, credentials, and then they expired. And honestly, since then, I've, I've been doing less reporting on sort of demonstrations and marches and more um, stuff around uh, Guantanamo and, and refugees and things like that. So I haven't personally seen a lot of that, though I know obviously... And like in, in Ferguson, for instance, yeah. um, a close friend of mine um, got shot by the police with rubber bullets as he was approaching them with his hands up. Um, and he's a, he's a white guy, so you know that they were trigger happy if they were doing that. And he was saying, press. Yes. So, yeah. you know, that's just like one one of many, many examples of, uh, of, of recent uh, literal attacks on, on press. Oh, oh, oh. So, um, so speaking of, uh, I guess Guantanamo, what's happening there, if anything at all? Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. So I was actually just there um, to get a media tour um, uh, earlier this month, just about a week and a half ago, mm-hmm. and uh, they call it a media tour. In reality, it's about a one-day, um, highly choreographed. Um, you know, very tightly controlled walkthrough of some of the facilities, um, and everyone really stays on their talking points. It's it's a it's a, a, a kind of media tour in name only. Yeah. Um, and it, you know, nonetheless, it was interesting. It was my fifth time there, um, but my first time taking a tour of the, the facilities. And really, I think the big the the big story with Guantanamo is that we can expect. Um, uh, uh, probably two dozen transfers, give or take, in the next month and a half. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and then after that, my strong suspicion is that transfers are going to almost totally flatline. And I think that by the end of Obama's term, there's going to be somewhere between 30 and 40 people who are still going to be held at Guantanamo. Oh, and there's really... Um, I think very little reason to think that they will either be transferred to the U.S. Um, for for continued imprisonment or whether any of those people will be detained. And I think that basically um, Obama is going to pass on a very, very small uh, population of detainees to mm. the next administration. Oh, I, I mean, I'm not surprised. It just still feels disheartening to, to hear that. Um, it's also... Yeah good just to get some information from like from from the inside or from as close as possible yeah well one of the things that was that was really um troubling about about the media visit is that um various officials basically the top commander uh on the on the base and then the the person who's below him who is essentially the prison warden um both said that for right now there's this is according to them, so take it with a grain of salt, but yeah. they said that there's a great amount of um, optimism amongst the population of detainees, or prisoners, if you like, um, yeah. because there have been so many, uh, relatively speaking, a lot of transfers lately. And so um, I think that there is, at least according to them, there's there's optimism that people you know think they're going to get out. Many of them have been held for... 12, 13, 14 years at this point um, without charge. And where the troubling part comes in is what I was saying before, is that even when you talk to commanders and, and um, the, you know, the warden on, on the base, they say that, that once those transfers happen and then everything starts to slow down, 
you're going to very understandably get a population there that is very, very angry yeah. and in- increasingly desperate and increasingly hopeless, especially given the fact that um, obviously Donald Trump is not saying he wants to close Guantanamo quite the opposite. <sighs> and Hillary Clinton is, has been very, very quiet on the topic. Of course. Um, to be honest, I would not at all be surprised if she becomes president. I could see her at some point, given... You know, given some sort of national emergency, I could see her increasing the population. There. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I think that there's going to be a lot of of real uh, despair among people who are there if and when they're there by the time Obama leaves office. Uh, oh, that. Ugh. That's. Ugh. Yeah, I mean, that's my reaction to a lot of things. Uh, so yeah, it, it's that's, just, that's, a, that's the reaction I get when I talk to a lot of people about a lot of my stories. Yeah, yeah. It's, I think, like, hopeless definitely is something that comes up when one thinks about a lot of different things that have been happening in the country and in the world for a long time. And I feel like there's a lot of folks who do want to help and do recognize that the system is messed up and things are really backwards. And then it's very easy to feel powerless. Um, which is, I think, part of the reason like journalism is so important and so necessary is to at least let folks understand what's happening. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think that's right. I think that that um, getting information out there is necessary uh, for social good, even if it's not in itself sufficient. You know, I I sort of think of uh, journalists, uh, at least the kind of journalists that I that I uh, <laughs> like and aspire to be. I think of them as part of a kind of complex ecosystem where you have journalists and you have lawyers and you have human rights investigators and you have activists and you have just a sort of uh, people who are all basically working towards greater levels of human rights and human dignity, but all doing it in kind of separate but related ways. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that, that journalism is, you know, at its best at least, is one key part of that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, I mean, one one highlight, I guess, of the internet age is that folks feel like they're able to at least um, put out their, their words, like, for instance, on social media, like with the elections being rigged and folks reporting that their votes haven't been counted, uh, something even, even like that, people feeling like they have a voice and they're able to share what's happening with them, where, as a, you know, opposed to, like, decades ago, that might not have been the case. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, for as for as toxic as the internet can be in so many instances, there's, yes. there's also, you know, there is there are the occasional moments, um, sometimes more than occasional moments, where there really is, uh, you, you know, you can tell that the, the publishing paradigm has shifted, such that that you know traditional gatekeepers. Uh, to to media platforms don't play exactly the same outsized role that they used to. Uh, obviously, who gets to go on TV is still very, very important and very closed off to the vast majority of, of people. Yeah. Um, but at the very least, you know, you have platforms where people can put out uh, information and, and at least get it out to the world in a way that, you know, even like 10 years ago would have been very, very difficult. Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's a good thing for sure. Yeah, yeah. 
um, yeah, so maybe we can uh, just talk more about the so the story that you'd written for the for the Village Voice. Um, so for folks who are heading, uh, getting back that way. So like for folks who are heading to Syria in order to help fight uh, for the people. Um, yeah. Well, so so what's really interesting about about the two the two people that I profiled um, is is that. Uh, they they are entering probably the most complicated conflict in the world right now, and to understand what they're doing, it's it's probably worth just um, I'll, I'll try to lay out some of the the regional some of the the regional um, political dynamics cool. just so people have a, a sort of sense of who the who the actors here are in this because it's it's very difficult to keep all of it straight. So basically. The, the the group that these two are going to support, um, sort of roughly speaking, is called the YPG, as I said, and it's a, a Kurdish militia that uh, arose in, um, really came to prominence in, in 2012, 2011-2012, uh, out of the chaos of the civil war in Syria. And the Kurds are, for people who aren't familiar, are the at least they refer to themselves as the largest um, ethnicity on the planet without a state. Mm. You basically have about 30 million Kurds, roughly. The estimates aren't exactly correct, aren't exactly precise, but roughly 30 Mm. million Kurds spread out over four countries. Um, You have Syria, Iraq, uh, Iran, and then the majority uh, of whom who are in Turkey, especially Southeast Turkey. And so... As the uh, as the Arab Spring uh, or Arab revolutions sweep the the region from from Tunisia to Egypt and um, and uh, young activists, especially in in Syria, are inspired and take to the streets to protest against the government uh, that's run by uh, the dictator Bashar al-Assad. Uh, the the revolution there um, quickly. Uh, descends into chaos as Assad, you know, opens fire on his own people, and essentially what begins to happen is that out of the chaos that ensues as the revolution becomes militarized, um, Kurds in the north are able to establish an autonomous zone for themselves, which mm-hmm. they have long been denied by the Syrian regime. Mm-hmm. And so, as as the regime focuses more on anti-government rebels. It sort of uh, takes a lot of its troops away from the Kurds in the north, and basically just says, "Okay, the the, the Kurds can have this area in the north. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to focus on on uh, uh, the enemies who are trying to oust us." And so okay. this area, this area in the north, is called Rojava, which is the Kurdish word for west. So this is West Kurdistan. Um, if you think of the those four countries that I named before, this is this is a sort of Western version of where a hypothetical Kurdish state would be. Okay. So the the revolution in Rojava is very much um, built on a foundation of uh, anarchist thinking. Ah. Um, the the ideological head essentially of the political party there. Um, has been in prison um, since 1999, but his political theories, the guy's name is uh, Abdullah Oshalan, his political theories are um, based very heavily on a theorist named Murray Bookchin, and essentially what it says is that 
um, it's, it's anti-capitalist, it's very um, pro-feminist, and uh, it's based on a kind of uh, post-state um, idea of, of local organizing, uh, and that, that uh, it's, it's, it's about keeping power localized yeah. in neighborhoods and not centralized yeah. in, a, in a state. Awesome. And so it's it's you can tell why it why this revolution would be a, a sort of natural ideological um, fit for anarchists uh, the world over, including in America. Yeah. Now, it's, it, what's interesting is that there have already been roughly between a hundred and a hundred and fifty Americans who have joined, who have gone to either Syria or Iraq to. Um, to fight against ISIS and to join the Kurds. What's interesting about um, every American who has gone so far, at least every reported American who has gone so far, mm -hmm. is that they're much more likely to be conservative. They're much more likely to be um, military veterans. Uh, they're much more likely to be motivated by Christianity. Mm -hmm. And so you have this group of primarily ex-military um, conservatives who go over and join this anarchist militia, huh. and and they get there. These Americans get there, and they're completely surprised. They have yeah. no idea what they're doing. They, you know, there's a quote where one of them um, says, "The YPG are a bunch of commies," and he says it's in a very disparaging way. Right? Uh -huh. So, so you have this kind of um, strange situation where Americans. Um, want to get back to the battle, so to speak. Uh, they want to fight ISIS, but the available options to them, in Syria at least, is this left-wing feminist group. <laughs> um, and it largely doesn't fit with, with most of the Americans' political ideology there. What's different about about the two um, uh, young young activists that I talked to, Guy and the other one, his name is Christo, mm -hmm. is that the ideology was the draw for them. Yes. You know, they they specifically wanted to go to help their anarchist comrades. Yeah. And that really sets them apart from the other Americans. Now, there have been a small number of uh, European anarchists who have gone, um, but large, lar it, for really for the most part, the numbers have remained fairly low in terms of, of leftists going to, uh, to join up. Mm -hmm. And it's also important to note that, that uh, Guy and Christo... Um, both did not plan on actually becoming soldiers. Mm -hmm. So they were both um, going to going there to create pro-Kurdish media, what they sort of referred oh. to in a, a tongue-in-cheek way as propaganda. I see. So, so they were interested in like documenting daily life, showing the struggles mm -hmm. of the revolution, the successes of the revolution. Neither of them were going there to quote-unquote fight ISIS. Got it. I think also separates them from the other Americans who were very explicitly going there to, um, you know, to, to try to shoot ISIS militants. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it'll be interesting. I'm very curious to, to hear and to see what it's like for those, for the folks who went in with just that kind of strict military ideology um, to see if they end up maybe accepting or seeing the the bright side um, of the leftist ideology. Yeah, it's, it's a really, really interesting question. Um, and I think that one of the things that Westerners 
um, have to do when they when they cross the border from you, basically the border from Turkey is closed now, so everyone who's crossing over is crossing from Iraq to Syria. But when they cross over, they have to spend the first um, at least two weeks in what the Kurds refer to as uh, ideological training. Huh. So, you learn essentially the, the basics of this system of beliefs that, that they call democratic confederalism. And it's, it's again, it's very feminist, it's very communalist. Um, uh, it's, it's private property is very limited. You know, meals are done together, living is done together. Um, and so I'm not exactly sure how many sort of like ideological converts there have been. Yeah. Um, but it's a really interesting question uh, as as far as like uh, whether whether people who have gone there have sort of um, you know maybe came from a more conservative capitalist mindset and that were uh, were were won over once they uh, you know were sort of in in the revolution. I'm not sure what the answer is to that. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be very I'd be very curious. And I'd also just wonder how other folks could help contribute, like certainly not necessarily in a military sense, but like, as you're mentioning, Guy and Hristo were more on the media side, how other folks could also join to um, help the cause. Yeah, I mean, one of the things certainly that that I think um, you hear from from groups that are um, sort of like outward facing, uh, especially to the West, is that... Uh, after this many years of war and, and previous decades, really of basically abandonment from the, the Assad regime, uh, a lot of the area, um, you know, still needs to have infrastructure built up. Um, there are areas where uh, industry is, is, you know, um, could be built up. Uh, obviously, you need doctors and engineers and all things like, sorts of things like that. And the in a revolution, but I think even more so than anything else, at least the people that I spoke to wanted wanted information to, to get out as much as anything else. And they, you know, Kurds Kurds have been um, have been oppressed uh, and and um, and rendered stateless for at least since the since the First World War. Mm. Um, and I think that in a large part, what they're fighting for is visibility and autonomy. And you know, it's not—it's not entirely clear what what Westerners can sort of do to to promote that exactly. But I think that part of it, at least, is is raising um, raising the profile of the project that they uh, that they are engaged in. Yeah, yeah. It's, I'm really curious to to see what happens. Yeah. Well, and so um, you know, to give this sort of uh, to give a spoiler for the for the story. Yeah. Um, essentially, one of the uh, one of the two that I uh, profile, um, like they both they both travel to northern Iraq um, to Iraqi Kurdistan, uh, a city called Sulaimania, and um, there they they uh, get in touch with their contact who's in Syria. But um, they are uh, unable to cross the border for weeks, and so they stay at this hotel with other Westerners who are trying to cross over, and then they are taken to the safe house temporarily. And uh, their visa is starting to run out. And one of the things that's really important to understand about both of these two is that although they are um, both very ideologically motivated, they're also motivated by more practical concerns. Namely, that Guy 
has wanted to be a conflict photojournalist for his entire life. Mm -hmm. And that Christo wants to build his resume um, to make it more uh, attractive to graduate schools. And so while they're in Sulaimania in northern Iraq, um, Christo gets uh, the worst fever of his life. It puts him down for five days. And then shortly after that, as he's uh, regaining his health, he learns from his parents that he's been accepted into grad school. Ah. And so so this happens as their visa is running out and uh, and as four Westerners who try to cross over get arrested uh, at the border. And so from so Christo is thinking to himself, you know, if I defer my acceptance, there's no guarantee that I'll ever make it to Rojava. I could lose my spot in grad school. This makes no sense. So he returns home and uh, he feels very uh, conflicted about it, very dispirited. You know, he's been planning this for a year, and he feels like it's a, a year of planning down the drain. And a couple of days later, right before the visa comes up, a guy is able to cross over, and he goes through training. And um, I've spoken to him a couple times uh, in the last few days, and he is still um, happy that he's there. Uh, he's uh, you know, engage. He's just about to launch the photo blog, um, which is called Scenes from Rojava. And, um, you know, I think that it's, it's certainly not a walk in the park, but I think that he is, uh, he's still happy that he, uh, that he went and he'll probably be there for, for several more months at least. Wow. That's great. That's really, wow. Huh. So, um, so yeah, hopefully we can, uh, still keep in touch and hear about their, what's, what's happening over there. And I'm curious as to, as they do work on the media, um, the information that will be made available to us. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's going to be really interesting to see how, uh, his time there changes guy in terms of, uh, his outlook, um, you know, his experience there, uh, Obviously, he right now is not uh, involved in any uh, direct combat. He's not. He's he's not really at any, at least for now, um, threat of bodily harm. Yeah. Uh, you know, hopefully that remains the case. Obviously, for as long as he's there, but um, it it remains in a, a conflict zone. Obviously, it's a, a civil war that displaced twelve million people. Yeah. Uh, Eight million internally and four million who have fled the country, and so. Um, you know, over the course of his time there, I think it's going to be really interesting to see uh, the effect that it has on him politically and personally. And that's something that I'm definitely going to going to follow up on. And I'd love to uh, come back on and talk more about. Yeah, please do. I think it's also just really inspiring. Like when I saw the the article, I was just like, oh, like first of all, the words anarcho-communist, like that's always nice to see. Um, (laughs) And then also just because I I know there's so many people who have a similar ideology. And then especially here in the States, when there's been the suppression that's happened for so long um, to see folks enacting it and to, to collaborate, there's that. I guess that hope, which maybe I'm, I'm a cynic, but I'm also really hopeful and optimistic yeah. and naive in some ways, um, yeah. where it'd be like, wow, how about that happening here? And granted, like the, the United States has a whole other, we have a whole other history, a whole other things. I can't even really describe it, you know, succinctly, but to, to have that kind of happen here would be incredible. 
Yeah, well, and I think at least to, to me, what was what was really interesting about this, especially from a from a journalist uh, point of view, is that um, there are the the left in the United States, uh, and and if you sort of broaden it out, you know, vaguely liberals more more generally, I think that. Um, that we can often get uh, stuck in a lot of tired conversations. Oh, yeah. Feel like we've been <laughs> having them for decades, even before any of us were born. Yep. And and what's, what's interesting to me about this story is that it's a way of talking about, uh, about enacting leftist ideas uh, in a way that is, that is completely different than a lot of the standard discussions that we have here. And I'm, I'm certainly not endorsing uh, that anyone else do what Guy and Risto did, um, certainly not without weighing the cons of it very, very uh, carefully. Sure. Because although what they did is, is not illegal under U.S. law, you know, uh, what I write in the story is that a creative prosecutor could probably find a charge if they wanted to. Ugh. So I, I, I certainly wouldn't, um, and, and I'm not endorsing, you know, the fact, like, the idea that people... Uh, follow in the footsteps of these two, but um, I felt very lucky that I was able to shadow them. Yeah, they were getting ready to do this because it was a way to talk about these ideas in a way that went beyond the sort of you know like is property destruction violence, which is an important conversation, but one that I just feel like exhausted by most of the time. Yes, yeah, I hear that. I feel there's so much uh, infighting within communities that it's like if we're gonna fight amongst ourselves how are we supposed to come together like if we can't even all you know find consensus yeah yeah absolutely cool all right well um yeah if there's anything else you'd like to add please feel free uh i guess just if uh, if anyone wants uh, to hear any more about this um we spent uh, a recent uh show talking about it on my podcast uh, which is called radio dispatch and um, we talk regularly about uh, about my Guantanamo reporting, and also about Molly's reporting. My sister and co-host, yeah. uh, Molly uh, often writes on uh, education policy and um, and feminism and uh, all sorts of things that, uh, that your listeners I think would be interested in. And uh, you know, if people want more information, they should come. Uh, come jump over uh, and take a listen to Radio Dispatch every once in a while. Excellent. Cool. We'll, we'll um, post links uh, on the on our weekly review page. Awesome. Sweet. Well, thank you so much for calling in. It's also really good to hear your voice. It's been a while. Yeah, you too. I know. It's been way too long. Sweet. Well, um, take care and keep up the good work and hope to chat with you soon and give, give Molly my regards. I will. You keep up the good work too. Oh, thanks. Take care. Bye. Bye. The 2016 primary season is exposing a crisis of democracy in America, the prevalence of voter suppression from voters forced to stand in line for five hours in Arizona to over 100,000 voters purged from the rolls in New York is inexcusable. Meanwhile, in North Carolina, a federal judge has upheld new voting restrictions, including a voter ID law that will disproportionately block poor and minority voters from the polls. It's no secret that reducing voter turnout benefits the political establishment. 
movement. It's time to bring real democracy to America by eliminating unfair barriers to voting and ensuring every vote counts. Join my call to establish a constitutional right to vote today. It may surprise you that the U.S. Constitution does not explicitly guarantee our right to vote. That's why establishing an explicit constitutional right to vote is critical to overcoming voter suppression. Across the country, we see people who do everything they're supposed to, yet their votes are not counted due to the negligence of election officials. All too often, these disenfranchised voters are disappeared from official election results with no legal recourse. An explicit constitutional right to vote would empower Americans to challenge systemic voter suppression and restore the integrity of our elections. If you're concerned about the wave of voter suppression, add your voice to the call to establish a constitutional right to vote. Voter suppression issues in state after state are symptomatic of an electoral system designed to prop up the establishment political parties. We see the same pattern everywhere that partisan appointees control the electoral process, the establishment gains power and the voters lose power. It's time to take control of elections away from the parties and put them in the hands of the people through independent citizen boards in charge of everything from voter registration to redistricting. It's also past time to discard the obsolete uh, first-past-the-post voting system and adopt improved voting systems already used successfully around the world. The current voting system has most voters feeling trapped between two parties that are growing more and more out of touch with the American people. With polls showing record unpopularity, <laughs> uh, with polls showing record unpopularity for the Democratic and Republican frontrunners, we're facing the repugnant prospect of a general election where more votes are voting against what they fear than are voting for what they believe in. We can solve the lesser evil dilemma in a heartbeat by anarchy. No, I shouldn't say that. We can solve the lesser evil dilemma in a heartbeat by enacting ranked choice voting, which ensures that if your first choice doesn't win, your vote is automatically reassigned to your second choice, freeing voters to support the candidates they most agree with. And to bring real democracy to the United States, we need proportional representation, which gives you the freedom to vote for the representation you want, knowing that it's what you'll get. Countries with proportional representation, which includes most Western democracies, have significantly higher voter turnout because people are more likely to participate in democracy when they know their voice will be represented, even when they're in the minority. All of these reforms, proportional representation, ranked choice voting, independent election boards, and more, would move America closer to real democracy and help break the grip of the elite special interests who have hijacked our government. But it all starts with fighting back against voter suppression, and the best way to do that is with an explicit constitutional right to vote. Sign and share my call for a constitutional right to vote today. By standing together in our fundamental right to vote, we can build an unstoppable movement for an America and a world that works for all of us. It's in our hands! Jill Stein. Uh, <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, if you go to, I haven't posted this yet. I'm going to post it right now. Um, you can sign. I signed. Uh, that's one one way to help. I, I'm definitely skeptical. I'm not going to lie. I'm skeptical of the whole voting thing, even if, I mean, even the fact that, like, Jill is on the ballot, the idea that folks on the third party don't have as much uh, say in the media. Even Bernie Sanders, who's like, 
running in, on the Democratic Party. Oh, that's another story we'll get to. So I'm not a member of any of the Bernie groups. A lot of my friends are. I like up my Facebook feed for the most part. It's like Bernie, 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 Bernie. So some Hillary, there's definitely some Hillary supporters there. There's some Jill Stein supporters, and then there's like anarchists who are like, fuck the whole system, and I'm like, cool. Um, but there are Bernie Sanders groups that Facebook decided to like uh, cancel or just like get rid of. And apparently it's from the Hillary like pack like hired people to spam these groups with pornography. And friends of mine have reported this. So this comes like first hand information, first hand, second hand information, but people I know and trust have said that they received like people were spamming these groups with porn and so then people would report them to the Facebook uh, and so Facebook had to take down these groups. And so like hundreds of thousands of organizers and Bernie supporters were then had their, uh, their communication restricted on Facebook. And that's pretty gross. That's really, really gross. Um, so with that being said, I'll, I'll add the Jill Stein thing in a bit when I can multitask. I can multitask, but I feel if I add it right now, I'm not going to be giving the, the show my full attention. So you can also just check out, uh, you can, where can you check it out? Uh, you can go to, what's the official, the official place to find Jill Stein? I would guess Green Party. I guess you type in Jill Stein, um, Jill 2016. Um, yes, Jill2016.com. There we go. Problem solved. Jill2016.com. Uh, Jill Stein for president. Uh, a new society, a new economy. Hashtag, it's in our hands. And uh, she also is inviting Sanders to cooperate on political revolution and real democracy, which is pretty badass. A lot of the times, the, the folks are running against each other, and there's a lot of like people are attacking one another. And it's like, if everyone really wanted a better world, it'd be like, let's all learn how to work together and you know share our resources. And instead, it's a lot of people just fighting with one another. And that's gross and childlike and dumb and very regressive and reductive. And ugh, it's like, I don't want any of that. So I, it would be great if, if Bernie were to hop on board with Jill Stein and if they could collaborate and share their resources and share their followers because they stand for a lot of the same things. Um, so I'll read a little bit from her page since I'm at her page. Why not? Americans deserve real solutions for the economic, social, and environmental crises we face. But the broken political system is only making things worse. It's time to build a people's movement to end unemployment and poverty, avert climate catastrophe, build a sustainable, just economy, and recognize the dignity and human rights of every person. The power to create this new world is not in our hopes. It's not in our dreams. It's in our hands. Um, support Jill Stein's people-powered campaign. You can donate if you, if you want to, and if you're able to, join with thousands of your neighbors to build the momentum for real change. Support Jill Stein's people-powered campaign today. Anything you give will be matched dollar for dollar by federal matching funds. Let's read about why she's running, uh, why Jill is running for president with the Green Party. Oh, it's pretty much what I just read. Uh, we are being battered by unemployment and quality. Yep, that's exactly it. So that's that's her platform, and uh, hard to find fault in that. And I can find fault in a lot of things. <laughs> I'm a bit of a cynic. I'm an optimist and a cynic. So that's great. So Target, I'm not into businesses, big corporations at all. However, when they stand up for good things, I, I think that's great. I'm not encouraging anyone to go to Target or to give them any more money. However, they have said that they are going to make sure that all trans folks have access to bathrooms, which would be a common sense thing. However, since they've said this, 
um, people are like gonna boycott Target now, and it's, ugh, it's so people are so dumb, 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 dumb. Um, so this is from All Out, which is an LGBTQ uh, organization. And I'll read a little bit about this. It's just dumb stuff. I, don't, I almost don't want to give them any airtime because I don't even want to talk about them. Um, but I appreciate it when businesses, even though I don't like big businesses, I don't like big corporations when they do the right thing, which is common sense. So I'm not even going to read it. So, you know, that's... Uh, and I would imagine most listeners of the show um, are not uh, going to go out and be overtly transphobic and in the face, you know, be like, that, that would not make sense to me. Although, stranger things have happened, but uh, there we go. Oh, no. Oh, no. Well, okay, first of all, there's two things to know about this. Uh, I'm on, okay, back in the day, back in the early 2000s, I've repressed a lot of this from the years 2000 to 2008. It might have been because there were some people in the White House and people pulling the strings in the White House that made things terrible, so part of me wants to forget that existed, and I remember I wrote a letter to him, the ding-dong, W, that was like, don't, this is before they went to war, and there's like a lot of folks who were like, don't go to war, don't go to war, don't go to war, and I got a letter back that was like, oh, we have to protect the Iraqi people. And I was like, shut the fuck up. Anyway, so the World Can't Wait was one of these organ political organizations that was like very much against all that stuff happening. And I guess I haven't changed my name because the, the email is addressed to my old name and my old email address, which I still get. Uh, so that's disturbing in some regards. Um, but then they're saying that Bernie Sanders told MSNBC's Chris Hayes that he supports Obama sending 250 more troops into Syria. Um, do you think what's being done now is constitutional and legal, Hayes asked Sanders, noting the existence of a list of people that the U.S. government wants to kill. In general, I do. Yes, Sanders replied. In three months, both the ruling class parties will convene to pick the next commander-in-chief. They're making preparations to sell wars of aggression, continued vast surveillance of whole populations, the whole catastrophe of empire. These unjust, immoral, illegitimate wars need to be opposed, especially when the eyes of the world are concentrated on these conventions. If you want to be involved in protests at the Republican convention in Cleveland, July 15th through the 18th, or the Democrats convention in Philadelphia, July 25th to the 28th, contact us. And they have a way you can contact them. Again, this is from uh, the world can't wait! Exclamation point. Stop the crimes of your government. Uh, hidden costs of the U.S. air war in Syria. There are near total silence. There is near total silence when U.S. bombs kill civilians in Iraq or Syria. Uh, Nicholas J. S. Davies, author of Blood on Our Hands: The American Invasion and Destruction of Iraq, writes on the outrage continuing in Syria as the U.S. increases troops there. At the very least, U.S. airstrikes have killed hundreds of civilians in Mosul, as well as destroying much of the civilian infrastructure that people depend on for their lives in already dire conditions. And yet. This is, by all accounts, the only only the beginning of the U.S.-Iraqi campaign to retake Mosul. USA Today reported on April 19th that U.S. air forces bombing Syria and Iraq have been operating under new, looser rules of engagement since last fall. The war commander, Lieutenant General Sean McFarland, now orders airstrikes that are expected to kill up to 10 civilians without prior approval from the U.S. Central Command, and U.S. officials made it clear to USA Today that U.S. airstrikes are killing more civilians as a result of the new rules. Under these new rules of engagement, the U.S. has constructed, has conducted a major escalation of its bombing campaign against Mosul, an Iraqi city of about 1.5 million people, which has been occupied by Islamic State since 2014. 
reports of hundreds of civilians uh, killed in U.S. airstrikes reveal some of the human costs of the U.S. air war and the new rules of engagement. Oof. Okay. Next. Washington civilian kill list in Afghanistan. Drone whistleblowers step out of the shadows. In Washington's drone wars, collateral damage comes home. And this is also from World Can't Wait. Uh, uh, Pratap uh, Chatterjee writes about recent films on the U.S. drone war, including National Bird. Sometimes I'm so sad that my heart wants to explode, an Afghan man says, speaking directly into the camera. When your body is intact, your mind is different. You are content. But the moment you are wounded, your soul gets damaged. When your leg is torn off and your gait slows, it also burdens your spirit. The speaker is an unarmed victim of a February 2010 drone strike in Uruzgan, Afghanistan, but he could just as easily be an Iraqi, a Pakistani, a Somali, or a Yemeni. He appears in National Bird, a haunting new documentary film by Sonia Kennebec about the unexpected and largely unrecorded devastation Washington's drone wars leave in their wake. In it, the audience hears directly from both drone personnel and their victims. National Bird features whistleblowers who have not been public before. When the president and his key officials look at the drone program, they undoubtedly don't see women and children. Instead, they are caught up in a Hollywood-style vision of imminent danger from terrorists and the kind of salvation that a missile launched from thousands of miles away provides. It is undoubtedly thanks to just... It is undoubtedly thanks to just this thought process, already deeply embedded in the American way of war, not that a single candidate for president in 2016 has rejected the drone program. That is exactly what whistleblowers feel needs to change. I just want people to know that not everybody is a freaking terrorist and we need to just get that out of the mind. We, we need to just get out of that mindset. And we just need to see these people as people, families, communities, brothers, mothers, and sisters, because that's who they are, says Lisa, a former army nurse. Imagine that this was happening to us. Imagine if our children were walking outside of the door and it was a sunny day and they were afraid because they didn't know if today was the day that something would fall out of the sky and kill someone close to them. How would we feel? And they also have uh, one more. Who is still held at Guantanamo? Because that's still happening. <sighs> Again, not sarcastic, but just angry. Uh, because people wrote to ask who is still in Guantanamo, we are sharing Andy Worthington's list of, up of the 80 prisoners still held, almost all of them without charges. Fuck. And you can check this out at closeguantanamo.org. Um, this is from uh, Deborah Sweet, who is the director of World Can't Wait. Man, oh, so that's really, I think there's a lot of folks who thought, oh, Obama's in office and now everything's going to change. And granted, there are things that were in the works before he took office. Um, however, there's a lot of us who are very much like, oh, as long as the system is still in place, a lot of these things are going to continue. And he said he was going to close Guantanamo and that hasn't happened. And now there's 80 people who are still there. And imagine if that was someone that you knew and someone that you loved and imagine if that was you even to be imprisoned without having any any say in in your your life and that goes back to the beginning of the program with talking about folks even sent to jail for for growing marijuana growing a beautiful plant that's medicine and uh the idea that folks can be sent to prison and kept there is just really gross and uh it would be nice if we lived in a world where that wasn't the case and we lived in the country i'd love to live in a country where like that wasn't there wasn't jails anywhere um 
but there are new kids, new babies being born all the time in this country, and they're being born into a country and into a world where prisons are still a thing and people are kept unjustly, and if we don't speak up about it, then we're part of the problem. I really do feel that way. So I'm going to... It's good also read about the Middle East. We're running low on time. We'll get to Guantanamo, and we'll, we'll see how much we can fit in. Um, so the, if you go to the closeguantanamo.org page, uh, you can read, read more information. 779 prisoners have been held by the U.S. military at Guantanamo since the prison opened on January 11, 2002. Of those, 689 have been released or transferred. One was transferred to the U.S. to be tried, and nine have died, the most recent being Adnan Latif in September 2012. 80 men are still held, and 26 of these men have been recommended for release by high-level governmental review processes. To join the campaign for the prisoners' closure in 2016, see the countdown to close Guantanamo and the photos of celebrities and members of the public from around the world. 157 of the 779 prisoners have been released under President Obama, and although no prisoners were released for 15 months from January 2011, two Uyghur, um, Uyghur uh, prisoners, Muslims from China's Xinjiang uh, province were released in April 2012. Another man, Ibrahim Al-Kosi, was given a two-year sentence after a plea deal in January in July 2010, was released in July 2012, and in September 2012, Omar Khadr, a former child prisoner, was transferred to Canada to serve the rest of his sentence. He negotiated as part of a plea deal in October 2010. Ugh. And so if you go to the list, you can uh, see there's just more and more people. Um, that is extremely depressing and upsetting, and it's, it's still happening. And pretending it's not happening isn't going to change anything. So if you go to Close Guantanamo, if you care about this and want to take action or at least spread the word, um, go to closeguantanamo.org. This is the world that we live in, so we have to change it. We have to, we have to, we have to. I'll do a show plug. That's not a great transition at all. But, uh, or I should say and. Yes, and. Um, so tomorrow, there's going to be a show at the up in Fairfield that I will be uh, taking part in. And, oh, there's another thing. I'm, okay, I'll get to that afterwards, after this, this great show plug. And this is going to be happening. Um, oh, there's so many great things I was going to share. I'll, I'll get to it. I'm just finding all the information for the show tomorrow. <coughs> Excuse me. So a lot of folks will be performing. And, um, yeah, we're getting there. Did I post it? I thought I did. This is at the Solano um, Pride Center, and the show is happening tomorrow night, I believe at 7 p.m. A lot of folks are performing. Uh, Samson McCormick, Jesus You Better Work, Ash Fisher, uh, Jess Morgan, and myself, oh, here we go, are performing. This is at 7 p.m., and it's at the Solano Pride Center. You can check it out at solanopride.org, and the address is 1234 Empire Street in Fairfield, California. Fairfield, known for the Jelly Belly factory, which I am boycotting and have been boycotting for a while because the CEO said something transphobic or did something that was bad, and I'm like, no thanks. I can do without your jelly beans. Thank you very much. That's what I think about when I think about Fairfield. However, I'll be going to Fairfield tomorrow, so check out the show if you're up there, or if you feel like catching uh, a good, good comedy show. I need to write some comedy. A lot of stuff I write is very political and sometimes not that funny, so I'm going to look for the humor in the tragedy, and we all know there's a lot of tragedy out there, so I'll look for the, the positives in that. So yeah, and the show is tomorrow 
at 7 p.m. at uh, Solano Pride uh, Center, and that's again at 1234 Empire Street in Fairfield. Now getting to the few things, <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot, there's always a lot to share. Um, Amy Goodman, I uh, was talking about good things as always, and I was going to share, um, uh, she was just talking about the lack of representation in the media and how even Bernie, who, you know, even if we're not 100% behind him, like don't agree with 100% of what he says, even he's not getting the uh, equal attention, media attention that Trump and Hillary are getting, and that's super problematic. So let's listen to what Amy, let's listen to what Amy has to say, and then here we go. Whether it's Fox or MSNBC or CNN, you often can't tell the difference. You're flipping from one channel to another, and they're all Trump all the time. It's Trumpland. It's called, this is called How the Media is Ruining the Election. This I election. see the media as a huge kitchen table that stretches across the globe, that we all sit around and debate and discuss the most important issues of the day. War and peace, life and death, and anything less than that is a disservice to a democratic society. It is critical in an election year to hear how policies affect people on the ground. Not to get the pundits, but to get the people themselves. They're bringing you the pundits, and this is true on all the networks, the pundits, who know so little about so much, explaining the world to us and getting it so wrong. The media manufactures consent for war, for candidates in elections, by bringing you more, for example, of one person like Donald Trump. He is pumped into everyone's home. He can just stay in a gold-gilded mansion in New York or one of them in Florida. The rest of the candidates trudge from one state to another. Why does he get this unfiltered uh, pipeline into everyone's brain, into your eyes, into your consciousness? It matters. The Tyndall Center did a report in 2015. They looked at the whole year. They found Donald Trump got 23 times the coverage of, say, Bernie Sanders. They found ABC World News Tonight did something like 81 minutes on Donald Trump, and I think they gave Bernie Sanders 20 seconds. Bernie Sanders is breaking every record. It's the only reason he's getting any coverage right now. I mean, the media, he is shaming the media. In March, he raised something like $44 million. Hillary Clinton raised 29 and change million dollars. $44 million. That hasn't been done before. You break every record and there's a blip in the corporate media radar screen. It just shows how astounding it would be if he got anything near the coverage of the other candidates. Could you imagine where he would be right now? In this high-tech digital age, with high-definition television, digital radio, all we get is static. That veil of distortion and lies and misrepresentations and half-truths that obscure reality. When what we need the media to give us is the dictionary definition of static, criticism, opposition, unwanted interference. We need a media that covers power, not covers for power. We need a media that is the fourth estate, not for the state. And we need a media that covers the movements that create static and make history. Yeah. 
And on that note, we're going to end up the show. There's another article that folks can check out. Maybe I'll get to it, maybe. Um, next week, it's it's long and I want to give it its due attention. And this also comes from The Intercept. And it's a, why a British fight over Israel and anti-Semitism matters to the rest of us. And that's written by Robert Mackey. And it came out today. So I definitely want to get to that. Because uh, there has been a lot of conflation. A lot of people who assume that because one is anti-Zionist, that means they are anti-Semitic. And that is not the case. And folks can very much be anti-state and not be anti-Semitic. So that's a discussion that really needs to happen. So I want to read that story next week. Um, stay tuned. Next will be Global Val with Women's Magazine and uh, Mutiny Radio. Um, we're raising funds. Check out on the weekly review page. We have a, there's a fundraiser listed there as well as mutinyradio.fm, ways you can contribute. We also have spaces available, space available for rentals. If you want to do a show here, there's shows here every night of the week, um, every day of the week, uh, morning, afternoon, evening, late night. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff happening, so come by in person and say hello. We're at 2781 21st Street, and give us a call anytime, 415-550-0511, and live streaming at mutinyradio.fm. So, on that note, I hope everyone has a pretty great weekend, and speak up against injustice um, as often as you can, and perhaps that will make a difference. And I'll leave some folks with uh, some prints again, and this is a really beautiful cover that usually, I, I like covers, but I'm also like, eh. um, this is uh, from PS22, um, the chorus kids from PS22, and uh, it's kids, kids are our future, so they say. So here's some really nice kids singing a nice cover of a Prince song. Uh, have a great week, everyone, and we'll be back next week.
Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer ya. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> ACLU of California reminds us that we have the right to speak out. Both the California Constitution and the First Amendment to the United States Constitution protect our rights to free expression. There are many questions we face when we decide to organize and speak out. Do we need a permit? Are there limitations? Or when or when can we not demonstrate? What about civil disobedience? For all of this information, please check out aclunc.org. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio in San Francisco. Insomnia, anxiety, stress, chronic brain, depression, nausea, and can induce euphoria and stimulate appetite. I'm going to guess waffles. <laughs> that is incorrect. <laughs> Actually, Alex, the food I'm talking about are cannabis-based medicinal extracts. Cannabis-based medicinal extracts? That sounds like you're smoking drugs, Ed. No, baby. There are smokeless, safe, and less expensive alternative to smoking. But can I use it to sleep? Yes, baby! Good, because I'm so excited by this that I may never sleep again! And it sounds like you, Alex, may want to check out the number 4altacalifornia.com. That's 4altacalifornia.com for a non-addictive, pharmaceutical-free alternative to smoking medical marijuana. Check them out today at number 4altacalifornia.com. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer ya. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Like the kind of person who has a sense of humor. 
I'm on an internet podcast. I'm talking to an internet podcast. Don't be silly. It's a one-way form of communication. But I don't want you to miss out on the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival 2016 from March 2nd through 6th. And you don't have to. You can buy tickets now on universe.com with 24 national and international visiting comedians and 20 local hosts. You won't want to miss a thing. What if I can't be at every show? Don't worry. All shows will be available for free download at Mutiny
Hi, welcome to Unleash the Rain. It is a beautiful Tuesday here in San Francisco. We're coming to you live from mutinyradio.fm in the mission. And uh, I'm, I'm it is a live. nice... I'm not really live live. Like I'm well, half live. You're never all live because I don't think anybody can handle that. You can't handle the truth. You can't handle the Vincent. I can't handle I the Vincent. I beg your pardon. That's a great movie. Uh, what is that movie called? What, what's that movie? Uh, uh, one Good Man. A Few no. Good Men. Huh? A Few Good Men. A Few Good Men. Yeah, that's a great movie. Even uh, though I'm not a big Tom Cruise fan. Who man. do you think they're referring to? Tom Cruise? Kevin Bacon? I love Kevin Bacon. Uh, not a Tom Cruise fan, but whatever. What are you going to do? He got, well, A Few Good Men. So I'm assuming that one of those three, or two of those three are good. But well, it wasn't Jack Nicholson. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jack Nicholson. What? Right, he I'm was great Jack in that. Nicholson. You can't handle the truth. You can't handle the truth. That was a great movie. Anyway, uh, so uh, we are coming to you live from mutinyradio.fm. I said that before, but we got distracted. You, If you want to recall us, go ahead and give us a call at 415-550-0511. And we, uh, if you want to come down... 315-7217 is our... Okay, sure. Why not? Uh-huh. If you want to get a hold of us, uh, you can reach us at, on Facebook at Unleash the Rain and on Twitter at Unleash the Rain. Or you can email me, Stacy at UnleashTheRain.com. Uh, or my my fine co-host Vincent, and you can um, email him at uh, Vincent, Vincent at I was I know, but I know. I was going to tell you that those are my headsets that I gave you because I didn't know if you brought yours. So just so you know, those are mine. They're not great, so you mean. So anyway, I, I, I was just—I was—he was—he was unplugging the headsets I plugged in for him. Um, Once upon a time, it was really nice. Hot chick, and she bought me these for. Yes, I did buy you those for Christmas. I'm not a hot chick, but I don't—I don't know. I forgot that was you. That was me. When we started the radio show, remember? I thought it was way Pam. back when. For some reason, I thought it was Pam. It was way back when we started the radio station. It was like almost a year and a half ago. Yes. I know. Then when we started the radio station, then we hired Pam. Yes. Yeah. What do you mean we hired? We never hired Pam. Pam hired us. Pam. I was, I was Pam trained us. <laughs> I got trained on the on the new board you know, too. You know the new you know old board. Pam as well as I do. If you had just not said anything, she would have believed it. Oh. Okay. She can't remember that far back. Okay. <laughs> oh, I didn't hit my thing. Um, and so if you ever want to come down and check out the space, uh, we're, we're here every Tuesday from 4 to 6 p.m. Pacific, so you can listen live, um, or you can come down and visit us and bring us pie, and we're located at 2781 21st Street in the Mission in San Francisco, and that's Mission in Florida. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Unleash the Rain is really about um, helping organizations leverage technology to increase revenue and reduce expenses, and our goal is really to help people you know, free up their time uh, so that they can focus on their passion, whether their passion is inside their business or out. And um, what what is you, what are you looking for? My gun. Okay. I forgot my gun. Okay, you don't carry a gun. I do. I have been for the last three shows. Why? You don't carry a gun. Stop it. You're scaring me now. I had a ray gun. Okay. Oh. I could make the ray gun sound. Yes. I, so are you talking to, so, so you have sound effects? This is great. Well, there's, oh, geez. Okay, fine. 
Okay. Anyway. Uh, Kidlets stole it. <laughs> it's okay. Probably also I have a ray gun. Pam is Pam is awesome. Station manager. Yes, station manager. Twice. And she has a show on Friday nights that's from eight to eleven. Eight to ten. Eight to ten. Pam comedy showcase. Uh, clubhouse. Yeah. It's a clubhouse. She recently she lost. And tonight, uh, tonight two ounces. you can. Didn't you lose two ounces yeah. when you? Uh, marijuana. No, no yeah, you chopped your finger off. <laughs> you chopped your finger off. Turn. Yeah, good. You're up. Yeah. You're up. Yeah, I, I uh, was making chicken last night here for Joke Workshop for the comedians, and no good, good deed goes unpunished, and I chopped off the top of my finger. Oh. Uh, poultry shears. I just oh. snipped it right off, so. Dude. Yeah, I was going to go get stitches, but, like, then it was right underneath, like, I, I bite my nails, so I don't have any, if I would have, if I would have had nails, if I wouldn't have bitten my nails like a little neurotic freak, the, the scissors would have gone into the nail, and it wouldn't have been a big deal, but oh. because I don't have any nails, it just sliced, like, right in really deeply, and, uh, and I decided not to get stitches because it's so close to where the nail is, I'm like, where are they going to hook it in? Like, where are they going to, how are they going to stitch this? So I just they, they probably they probably would have glued it. Oh, you yeah, skin glued I, it. I glued so it. it's fine. Because I didn't want to go spend five hours in the ER. ER. Probably more with for that. And yeah. Right. And if I just I just put super glue on it. So cool. Did you actually use real super glue? Yeah. Just that's what super glue was invented for in World War II. Yeah. Is for. Um, right. Why do I go to CVS and pay three times as much for the fancy skin glue? Because it doesn't hurt as much. Oh. Because the. Um, Staples are the worst. Oh, God. They're cheaper. Yeah. Cool, 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 cool. Well, this was too small for staples, too. I mean, I'm, I have tiny fingers, but so just a little, uh, just a little crazy glue. It hurts like crazy, <laughs> but then it's, um, and then everything's fine. It's got, I'm going to live. That's great. I'm not going to bleed out. Whoa! Hey, but uh, tell them where you are tonight. Uh, actually, I'm babysitting tonight. Oh, you're not doing so brainwash? Oh, no, next next Tuesday. Next, next Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah, next, Tell people next, next Tuesday, Tuesday you'll be at the Brainwash Cafe. Uh, it's I the host Mutiny Radio takeover. takeover of Brainwash. And so it's actually going to be a really fun showcase with, um, it's an open mic showcase sandwich. So it's open mic showcase, open mic. And it has uh, Clay Newman and Stephanie Silverman, two of my favorite comedians. And then someone else named Alex Davenport uh, all the way out of L.A. But whenever these L.A. kids come up, they always come contact me and I put them on shows so well that's nice and brainwash is located at 1122 Folsom Street in San Francisco yeah, 7th and Folsom if you get there before 7 o'clock uh, they have cheap beers and so, good food yeah yeah really, really good, good food yeah yeah and yeah. great salads and stuff I, I never eat salads because I like I like fries and uh, burgers, yeah me too but and laundry and yeah, you can do your laundry. You can bring your laundry. Laundry, and you can listen to comedy. It's all in one. Kind and they have Wi-Fi, so yeah. yeah. And 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 it's a the Mutiny Radio takeover. Yeah, and we come like on it. out, guys, next week. Yeah, thanks, Pam. Woo! Woo yay! Uh, so. so yes. No, so we. It's you know it. It's the last. Tuesday of the month. It is the last Tuesday of the month. So our topic for today is the enlightened entrepreneur. Yes. Um, which we're going to talk about uh, as soon as we get to that part of the show. So. And that's the enlightened entrepreneur is really about how to take care of yourself. So if you're running a business or starting a business or you're um, in management or you're even an employee, really, you're not really giving your best if you're not taking care of yourself. And it's one of the, th of the pillars, I think, of um, good stewardship of your career and or your company. And I personally am very enlightened recently lost losing 95 pounds yes you know in, i in need to lose weight uh-huh is that a reference to me 
if I lost you? Yeah. I tried to lose you. It I went. tried to lose you twice today. <laughs> I ditched you in the BART station, and there you were on the train. Yes. And then I ditched you at the cafe, and then here you showed up at the radio station. Yes. yes. Jeez. Kind of. So it's in like some you're following ways, I'm me or something. In other ways, I'm a puppy. You're a puppy. Yeah. Um, okay, so this week I'm we'll very... We'll talk about that today, by the way. We, we will. We're going we're yep. to bring up an interesting in, uh, incident that happened today. Oh, you want to talk about that? I, I want to make okay. an example. Wow, you're going to be not? super vulnerable. That's awesome. I'm impressed. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I will try not to be too much of a bitch about it. How are you going to do that? Nice. So I'm super excited this week. Uh, tomorrow. Have a plan going in. Yeah, no. All right, anyway. Tomorrow. Uh, so before I get into the latest news, any news tidbits I want to bring up, uh, tomorrow I'm really excited. Um, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday of this week, I'm going to Zoho, the corporate headquarters for Zoho. Not a good place to lose weight. Uh, not a bad place, actually, though. Mm -hmm. They actually have a lot of salads and vegetables. But anyway, can I, can I actually speak, or are you going to interrupt everything I say and talk about food? It's because we haven't eaten, and we're going to talk about that later. And that's going to be, <laughs> that's why I'm bitchy. Yes. Um, anyway, I digress. Uh, so, um, Zoho Corporation has several different products, right? One of them is Zoho CRM that we talk about. They have a lot of sales and marketing stuff. And they also have this product called Creator. Mm -hmm. And then they, for Creator, which is Creator's an app that lets you easily build applications and not have to know code. And the scripting language that they use is a scripting language they created called Deluge. Mm -hmm. And using Deluge and Creator, you can create all kinds of apps. So for And so they have a conference every year around uh, Creator, and it's called the Developer Conference, and it is April 27th, 28th, and 29th, and it's being held in Pleasanton, as I said. I'll go ahead and put the link to register on our website if people want to register. Um, uh, you can go for all three days. The first two days are a, a, a hands-on workshop where you're, we're actually going to, they're going to take people through how to create an actual application from scratch. And you can either sign up for a trial account of Creator or you can use a demo account that they're going to give people. Um, so that's 99 bucks for those two days and it's hands-on. Or you can sign up for the third day, which is basically the uh, an overview of, of Creator and the kinds of things you can do with it. So it's sort of like, here's how to do it and then here's what you what you can how you can make it fly um, so if you just want to come and get information about how you might want to use it um, I'm, I've invited some of my customers to come on the third day to just learn about creator um, so that if they want to build any custom apps of course I'm I'm a creator certified developer so um, I can build them for you or you can come all three days and learn how to build them and then learn how to make it fly C and custom yeah. apps for apps for like I iPhones well yeah. like you an actually can be it's you, they're web based. Um, well, there's three options. So you can create an application that can do anything. Like a, like a, a ten, like the one we're going to do in the workshop is actually attendee management for events. Okay. And then you can turn that into a mobile app oh, for so. tablets and, and and smartphones. And you can also, if you are some super secret company and you want to create the application and then you don't want to have it hosted on the web in the cloud for some reason, maybe it has like you know super secret stuff on it, like people's financial information or whatever, sure. you can actually create an offline version and then store it on your own server, which is new last year. My question is, like, let's say I wanted to create a mutiny radio app. Mm -hmm. 
would I be able to go to this conference for $99 and do a hands-on, like, I'm going to build an app that you buy for 99 cents and then you can stream Mutiny Radio all the time and get podcasts and... No. No. I'm going to say no, that this conference won't do that for you. So it's not like an app app. It's like, uh, it's like you said, it's more website-based and like tricks tricks on your web page. No, it's uh, it's it, it's middleware. So it, so there's, uh, that's a term. So basically it allows you to interface with something else. In other words, if you have, oh. uh, let's say, a uh, CRM for the station, radio right. station, yeah. a, c- a customer relationship manager, and you wanted to imp- and you wanted people to be able to sign up or find out what radio shows are there, then you could create an app that interfaces with that, oh. or your accounting pro- program, for instance, or an attendance list, or okay. you know something like that. But it has it's it's you build in it to interface with something else. See, I, I'm I I don't know a lot about technology, but whenever anybody says app. All I've been trained to think about is iPhones and things that you go pink and it's like, oh, it does this thing for you. And the people, because that's like, people keep saying that that's how you make money is that you design an app and then everybody wants to get the app and then you make money. Um, We should talk offline. It might be... Uh, it might be helpful. It might it might be an option. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, but you don't have to go. Well, no. I mean, I just I was just curious if like that was what it was because there's another Why, app. I'm a certified creator developer. Why you don't ask me? Uh, uh, maybe well, I'll there we go. maybe I'll do it in trade for my. That would well, and this is there's something else that's completely outside the station. I'm working with three ladies uh-huh. on creating an app that's going to make us uh-huh. Wait, wait, wait! Don't tell me. It's it's Nanny Robics. No, wouldn't that be the best though? Yes. Yeah. Like a little Nanny app Robics. that said like now push the stroller up a hill. I had like that. You would flip what it over and it would be. Okay. No. Stop. Um. What was what's your what's the so thing with the three ladies? So we already have it copyrighted, so I'm not worried about saying it on your. Well, I, mean, I was just gonna say you don't have to give too much away if you don't want to, but so since you already have it copyrighted. It's an app that uh, it's called uh, exchangep2p.com and it's creating global community through trade and so you buy the app and then you fill out this cool profile or it eats your it eats your Facebook and then tells you things and then it helps you connect with people that have the similar things so let's say that I'm a size 7 and I need to go on some job interviews and I need a silk suit from Ann Taylor and I just don't have any of those because I wear jeans t-shirts and leather jackets yep so what I do is I buy the app well I get I'll get it for free in the beginning well we'll be giving it away for free when we beta test but then you match with certain people and then you sort of exchange things we give them a bag that has the logo on it so that they can just they know who the person is and you meet up at a place and like we're gonna have bars and restaurants like sponsor and pay us so that they can be one of the specified places and then you trade your stuff so like that's really cool so maybe i have like i have all these leather jackets i don't wear anymore and maybe she has a bunch of floral print things that are appropriate for work and we meet up and we switch our stuff that's awesome right so it's like everybody wins and we we're trying to like work out all these other things that we can put into it but like you know if you're a guy and you've just moved to san francisco and you don't know a lot of people and you want to like hey let's i'm gonna meet some dude at a bar and i need ties or whatever you know right and then you now, make new friends and get cool stuff yeah that's awesome um no i just uh, how is it different or, or i think it's different than tradesy i've never heard of tradesy okay um so tradesy is uh, a website uh-huh. so it's not i don't 
think they have an app. I'm looking at it online right now. Um, so you can sell anything from your closet. Um, so I think Tradesy is more shopping right. than trading. Although it started out trading. Right. But I think they had a hard time making money off of it trading absolutely well the thing and is how are you gonna make money it's the app so you you have three different versions of the app you can buy you can buy the 99 cent app that's 99 cents a month also they only they only tradesy is only authentic designer oh yeah this is this is like anything whatever the hell you this have. is yeah this mm -hmm. is like i have a bunch of jeans and i all um, i wear is designer clothes so wow well some people but they, they, when you when they take the information off of facebook there might be people that have like designer things that want to, to do that and they just want to get rid of it. I mean, this all came from the idea that I have an entire suitcase in my closet filled with clothing that's great. It's It was one time expensive and nice. I just don't wear it anymore. Right. But I don't want to give it away and I don't want to throw it away. And you don't want to take it to a consignment store. And I don't want to take it to a consignment store. I just want to give it to someone who's my same size. And maybe, and maybe get something. And maybe get something cool. Right. Yeah. Or right I mean, on. it could even be like, I'm going to bring you all these clothes and you buy me a couple of beers. Like that's, I mean, it could be anything, but that's you work awesome. that on your own. But the way that we make the money is by um, advertising. So you can buy the app for 99 cents where it has tons of advertising on it. You can buy it for $1.99, meaning that it's only certain parts of the website. If you buy it, the $2.99 a month package, you get like all these bells and whistles. You don't have to have any ads. You get access to everything. It's like special, but it's, special. but it's, it's based on the thing that you told us last week on the show, which is that the reason they put in a super size is so that people will buy the size lower. So we yes. want them to spend $1.99. We don't want them to spend $2.99. They don't have to do that. No. We want them to spend $1.99. But the people who spend $2.99, you're like, woohoo. Right, exactly. And yep. they're stoked. And, and every month it just automatically comes out. It's not that much money anyways. We give them a little bag. They get to use the service. Everybody's happy. And then we would also, as it grew, when places wanted to become like a meetup, a place to exchange, then they would they would also get advertising. So it would be like vendors nice. would give us money for advertising. Or we would say, hey, this month's sponsored place to exchange P2P is Zeitgeist or yeah. is... Brainwash. Town or brainwash. And so they give us some money and then we make, so it's like, there's like ads that are local ads for specific things that are more like helpful. And then there's ads that are like, you know, stamps.com or any of those. Right. Whoever guys, wants to give you money. Whoever wants to give us money when it starts growing, which might not have anything to do with clothing. It could even be like mod cloth or one of those things where they're, they're right. trying to sell clothing. Right. And we're which like, would make sense. Right. Sure. So that's like what I've been meeting with these ladies and we're all just like throwing all our ideas in and then working on it together. That's awesome. So that's why I was like, Ooh, application thing. Cause then yes. we could, um, well, we should talk at the break. Okay. Um, I mean, you're welcome to come to the uh, the conference. I don't know if you what you're doing. Can you get? I can pick you up from Bart, but Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Yeah, I, Fri I, Friday. I, I babysit and I've got all my shows. Friday, and stuff, but it's Friday. No, I mean I would, okay. but I'm all right. I'm here. But just but ask thank me. You. Yeah, just ask me. Perfect. I just all this. I, I just figured I've got to jump into it because everyone's got an app these days. Everyone's got an idea for an app, mm -hmm. and it's gets like this million dollar idea, and it's like okay, and it seems like one of those things that once you put out there, and it's. It's a weird economy because it doesn't cost people that much. Right. I mean, it's what, like 12 bucks a year to have the whole program. But mm -hmm. if you have, you know, a 
4,000 people spending. Well, but then you, you, all, you, you also can do like, you could do P2P in San Francisco, then you can launch it in right. like San Jose and then Oakland and Berkeley and then eventually like Los Angeles and Portland and, and Seattle and Chicago and, and New we York. thinking like internationally because wouldn't it be fun to go to Paris because we don't have any clothes there and they love American clothes, right? So you yeah. go to Paris with like a ton of jeans and they're like, Levi's, Levi's, you know, or whatever. Right. And then you come out with like weird Parisian clothes or from Italy or I mean I yeah. would do that I would I would travel with a whole suitcase full of stuff that I wasn't going to take home and then meet a bunch of people because then you would find out the cool things to do in Paris or whatever like you'd meet uh, exchange with someone at some cool cafe and you're like now I feel like a local so anyways that's why is that doing that no yeah. this, the computer screen right here oh that's a good question it sounds like it looks like it's cy cycling yeah. or there it is. Oh, I'm like, no, the, the computer screen in front of me just started like blinking madly. And I was like, okay, do we have a poltergeist in here? Yeah, well, I, I think there is actually. There was a ghost the other night that was turning the lights on and off. And I was like, are we, uh, it was during the Fantastic Show. And it, the lights are going on and off. It was when I was doing jokes about abortions. And I'm like, is my dead baby in the room right now? <laughs> like, is that, what, is that what's happening? Like, and it's turning the lights on and off because it doesn't like the abortion joke? <laughs> That, I didn't. I didn't know. I got. I got some laughs out of it. But then the lights yes. flickering on and off. You might want like, to work oh. that into your show now. Yeah. You want to have somebody surreptitiously like or figure Turn out a way to. You know. Yeah, no, to, it might have been remote. that. It might have been someone in the corner just leaning up against the light thing. Yeah. We, who knows? Hey. So knows? while I have you. Yeah. Um. So I, we'll talk about the app thing offline. Yeah. Uh. And we'll get back to the creator conference in a minute. But what? Um. What are these posters? What's the current so, art exhibit that's up right, right now? This is the new art exhibit. My friend. And uh, Jimmy gave me all of this art from this uh, artist who he's like, he's a famous artist, but I don't remember his name. But he gave me all of this art, and it's really neat because he took these pictures of uh, straight people and trans people, but a lot of trans people, uh, and he sewed them all together. So it's all of these different pictures that he printed out on different colored things, and then they're actually sewn together on the, on the underside of it. And it's like... It's supposed to be this quilt, kind of, of what makes up San Francisco, and... Uh, oh, really? Yeah, it's like this huge, and they're not all supposed to be, like, together in... I mean, I think that's the way they originally put it, is that they were all super close and next to each other, so it looked like this one big quilt. Oh, but um, gotcha. I kind of like them as their own, you know, individual things, and yeah, I'm going to find out the artist's name next time I see Jimmy. Um, okay. But I know the ones that I put down beneath are really cool down here too yeah and there's only one that's like really super provocative that you guys will like for the regarding sex show on wednesdays and uh it's in the corner by the door oh am i not supposed to say that's that okay that's fine okay we'll check that out okay but it's you'll check yeah check the one out by the door and see if you know what it is because roman reimer of uh, weekly review I showed him the poster and I'm like I'm worried about putting this one up and he's like well, what is it and I was like look a little closer and then I told him what it was and he said oh I usually look out for stuff like that and I didn't even see it so it made me feel it made me feel better about uh, what I put up on the wall so no one can tell what it is so it's okay that's awesome yeah but uh, so yeah the new art thing is really fun my favorite one is that weird speed one in the corner with the sort of uh, yeah I dig that one I was like what is happening here I, I, like, I like the one with the uh, horses on it 
The horses? Yeah. What are you talking wall, about? Oh, no, that, oh, that's, that's, yeah. That's we like were, a circa 1972 burnout on wood shellacked. Yeah. Something. I was gonna I was gonna mess with it and put some uh, bizarre things in it and like decoupage it on top, but I just haven't found the time yet. Yeah. But that was a in gift your spare time. In my spare time. That was a gift from Ethan Albers, comedian Ethan Albers. He thought it would be cute for us to have uh, the old school horses on the wall. It is very cute. Yeah. yeah. I like so, it. And it says on it ten thousand dollars or best offer. Yes, that's the price. <laughs> or best offer. Or best being the offer. key part of that phrase. Right. So if someone wants to offer us two fifty for it, I probably won't say no. <laughs> well, but we need a new computer. So maybe Absolutely. if somebody wants to offer us, what's the price of a new Mac that we need? Oh, geez. I'm going to, I'm going to guess. Cause I don't understand anything and say $800. I think maybe more like 1200, more like 12. Wait, wait, wait. What, are you going to get something like this? We're going to get this computer Actually. here. This, this particular yeah. Mac is from, I think circa 2000. So anything we get is going to be better than this. Uh-oh. We can't even update the software, the flash on it to make it play YouTube anymore. Like it's that old. It won't take new updates. It just doesn't have the, it's like windows six or something. It's really, well, I don't even know what it's it Mac. is. Macs don't oh, have windows. Yeah. No, it's not windows. So, but it's old, it's an old, old operating system and we just need a new one. So I and, mean, uh, to get something to replace it, you're actually right. Uh, if you don't have to buy the monitor, the keyboard, you can get a Mac for about 500 bucks. Okay, cool. A little small one. But like that one over there. Uh, no, that not the one on the bottom, but the one it's underneath the, it's up on top of the CD player. That's the whole computer. Yes, like that. that yeah, that one is about five hundred bucks. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, and that's funny because that's a computer. Yeah. I, I don't know. I I'm so wowed by technology and what's been happening so fast, and that anything from even two thousand six at this point is completely obsolete. My computer that I bought in twenty twelve that I thought was great, my laptop is now just seems like stupid. But I guess that's six years or five. Year, four years ago so yeah that's super old in, in technology in technology terms, terms. Mm-hmm. when do people when they if you have an actual what? business you got to be careful there though we've had the conversation yes we have solar energy has essentially been the same thing since 1875 sure no, seriously, because solar panels have been around since 1875. It's, we just haven't done anything with it. It's like tubes underneath reflective stuff that makes the water get hot, right? That's like No, they actually, you, have you ever seen them, uh, like at the science show where they have those little spinny things, you put them outside and they spin really fast? That's essentially what a, a, uh, uh, you know, a, a solar panel um, is. It, what differs now is they can now make, it's more. they're more efficient. Right. But that's only recent. Yeah, with all the new co- companies that are like even, and they're making so much money that they in Utah they bought the stadium Vivint. Vivint, Vivint yeah. is the new one of the new big um, solar things, and it's somehow you can have them installed for like, or you get when you get them installed, do you get all the money back from the government or something? I don't yes, understand. Yeah. But and you can even put back into the grip. But this Vivint Solar is making so much money that they bought. The state, they're the Vivint Stadium in uh, Salt Lake City. I did not know that. I didn't know they bought that stadium. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. It used to be um, overstock.com mm-hmm. and that's now thought, it's yeah. Vivint. Well, overstock's kind of. Right. They've yeah. fallen by the. Wow. And that's crazy to me, too, that the way that things that were once so big are not. Dropbox is dying. Yeah. Dropbox is dying, really. Really? 
What about no. Zenga? When Zenga came out, I was like, what is this stupid Farmville? And then they made all those games, and now I heard that, like, oh, they're, yeah, they're, they're having they're trouble. The city, they, yeah. are. they can't afford the city. Anymore. Yeah, they're giving up all their space, in, or most of their space in San Francisco. And, you know, yeah. the thing about that is I had a friend who started working for them, like, six years ago as a temp, yeah. and he stopped working for them a year ago, and he cashed out all his stock. Smart. He moved to, like, Sweden or something. Uh, but he made, like, millions of dollars. So they, they gave their employees. He started working for them as a temp, and right. then he ended up becoming, like, a big guy with them. And they were paying him, like, you know, I don't know, $200,000 a year, and with all these stock options. And he didn't have to work that hard. And every Friday they gave him beer and all that stuff. And then he sold all his stock and moved out of the country. So... Smart guy. I know, super smart. He's like, laughing all the way to the Swedish bank. Uh, and the funny thing was, he and I used to be really good friends, and we would go to, I would even have to buy his dollar tacos at El Toro on 17th and <laughs> Valencia. Like, he was so poor, he would borrow money from me. And he was so, so poor, and now he's like super rich. And I'm like, where are the kickbacks, bro? There are yeah. no kickbacks. When your friends become rich, there are no, no. they don't turn back. They don't no. like, oh, remember that girl who used to buy me tacos? Tacos? No. Nah. I should I should probably take her out for a meal or something. Yeah, that doesn't nah, that doesn't happen with the that? rich people. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you guys can somehow explain how why everything why does it all become obsolete so quickly? Is it because you can make more money on the new products and they're hoping that you just trash your old products and buy the new ones, or is it that it really is an upgrade that's so significant that you really need it? They, uh, well, in terms of computers, it, uh, Moore's law it indicates that you double your trends, your speeds every two to three years. Now, oh. that's not that's not. The, uh, <laughs> I I just got uh, I just got somebody who uh, is obviously listening to the show, which yes. cracks me up that she's listening. Yes. And she said Zenga will always have words with friends. Always, it has to. <laughs> it's a friend of mine who's addicted to words with friends. So that's so funny. Why didn't Scrabble nice just make their own? Nice to hear from own. you, my friend, Liz. Yes. Why didn't yes. Scrabble just make their own? Um, Words with Friends a little different than Scrabble, though. I don't. I don't. I think Scrabble's owned by a bigger game company oh, that okay. makes a bunch like of board Milton games, and, yeah. and they're like, you're like, yeah. yeah, no, you have to play it. You know, they're like, not create. They didn't create an app. It didn't create an app, and yeah. now Words with Friends exists, and there, it's a total rip off of Scrabble. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. That's how we make money. So I used to be addicted to Words with Friends, but it transitions out and. But uh, you know who knows? Uh, last I went to the last Zoho com conference. The last one I went, I, one of the presenters actually pointed out that for some reason, part of it is just because the technology moves forward. But part of it is just people want it. Like oh. people will line up the night before and cry when they get in the door at the Apple store to get the newest Apple thing. I don't understand it. It's, it's crazy, isn't it? Absolutely. Well, you're wearing the Apple Watch, aren't you? No. No. Oh, no. Okay. Heck, it no. just it looks like you have an iPod on your wrist. No, it's, this is a phone. It's a phone. Yeah, the Apple Watch is a Bluetooth device. Oh. That's, that's it's, you know, it's, it's of course, $7,500, but it's Is really that how expensive it is? For the gold one, yeah. Wow. But it's basically a Bluetooth headset. Wow. Yeah, this is actually a phone. But what I've discovered is you can't use Dick Tracy comments about it. Because <laughs> people just look at you and say, 
Do you even understand the reference? Yes, of course. Dick Tracy had okay. a he had a phone on his wrist. I'm that just saying. Big. I'm saying there's a, it's an age thing. No, no, yes. no. I'm an old lady. It's fine. I remember. Yeah. I remember Dick Tracy well, before you're they redid it. Yeah, yeah. You already before before they redid it with the um, Warren Beatty and Madonna. Yes. Before it was that movie. Well, it, it was even actually mentioning Warren Beatty means you're old. <laughs> and Madonna, really? Yeah, honestly, yeah, right. yeah, really, yeah, She Madonna was a too. terrible actress in that too. They yeah. shouldn't have let her act in the '80s. I mean, I don't know why they put her in Evita in the early '90s. I mean, she can sing, but she can't act way out of a wet paper bag with both ends cut off. <laughs> Seriously, like even Desperately Seeking yeah, Susan, it was like Desperately Seeking Actors. Like you, <laughs> Patricia Arquette was like a, a goddess in that movie compared to Madonna. I'm, I'm. That may have been what started her career. It was like she's really good. Yeah, uh, compared to Madonna, it's not tough. Jets. John Cusack too. Who's, uh, oh, I love John Cusack. Well, they're brother and sister. Joan and John, yeah. I like yep. both of them. Yeah. Me too. I love them. Yeah, good so. stuff. Um, so sorry, I derailed you guys completely. No, 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 it's oh. totally fine. Um, <laughs> well, we missed our musical break, but you know that's all right. We we we'll get there. But uh, but our our mystery listener also informed me that um, she's she's helping us segue into our next segment, which is news of the day. Okay. Which is that Apple actually just reported for the first time that they lost money based on their phones this quarter. Oh. Apple lost money for the first time, like mm-hmm. ever since 1980 or whenever ever. they started. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yep. No, they lost money before, but for the first not time. Not on the well, phones. Not on the phones. Not on the phones. Okay, on the phones. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah, no, they Apple, lost money. lost money before. Yes, not on their phones. Big though. time lost money. So you're talking about how people lined up for it. Yes. You know, and then, you know, maybe not so much anymore. No. Wow. Well, every. I mean. How good does your phone? How if you have an iPhone six, why would you need an iPhone seven? You know, like they're so close. Maybe if you had an iPhone four, you'd be like, all right, it's time to trade it in. Or I mean, I don't have a smartphone at all, so I've been told that if I don't get a smartphone, the world is just going to leave me behind. It, it is I'm because dust. okay, first Pam, of all, if you talk into wait. a phone and you have a smart mouth like you do, hold the phone. Yeah. <laughs> You are going to need a smartphone in order to use your own app that you're going to create for P2P. That's absolutely true. We were talking about absolutely that. Absolutely true. Oh, absolutely you, true. Absolutely yeah, true. we're going to have to. <laughs> it, is, it is putterific in here. I'm going to have to get um, a smartphone. It's true. I just, I honestly believe that um, iPhones, that touchscreen technology contains uh, the dead souls of Chinese babies. Like, that's how <laughs> that's how touchscreen technology works, is that it's the souls of dead Chinese babies that are living in your phone, and then you touch it, and they move things around like magic. Would they be aborted babies? Uh, well, no. maybe. I don't know. I've heard that the Chinese now are throwing their babies off of iPhone buildings. Like, they're just, they can't even well, do it you anymore. Can have, you can only have one child. child. No, I think they, they lifted that ban, actually, and um, that that was the interesting thing is when they lifted the ban to say that you can have more than one kid the problem was that ever since they put the ban on it there are like maybe a million two million people that were a second child but they never got recognized by the government and so they have no paperwork right they have no they have they don't exist basically there's like two million chinese people that were the second child that just don't exist and they can't, it's like hard for them to get jobs because they can't, they can't do anything really because they're not actual people because they weren't supposed to exist. They're not actual people? Just because they don't have cards, they're not actual people? Well, they people? don't, they, they can't, they don't have, they don't have like a, they don't so have you, a birth certificate. They don't have. Yeah, because they were oh, secret. I become one of those Chinese babies? I want to, I want to not exist. Right, okay. it's, it just so don't exist. They, you can, you can now have. 
two kids. Two kids. They two didn't kids. like say you can have as many kids as you want. So right. Catholic, Catholics not flocking. Catholics and Mormons no. not flocking to China. No. But you may have two kids, not one. But that's and that's the thing. Now I guess if you have a third, they do you know why they invisible. did it? Why they do it? I heard that they because they put a one-child ban on now that the population in China is primarily men. So it's like 70% men and 30% women. And mm -hmm. that's why the uh -huh. sex trade was getting so big. They were sending over little people um, from like Indonesia and other countries to be sex slaves because there are so many uh, horny men and there aren't enough women in their own population. Right. And so they're saying, oh, I have some baby girls. Duh. What? But what the... But what the Another pun, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but what the government said was it was not to address the sex discrepancy because they've never wanted to admit that people got rid of their baby girls. That they drowned by their baby girls in the chamber. Or had... Yeah. yeah. Um, and what they said instead was that it was because they, uh, because of the aging population. Oh. Which is not true. No. It it's is. just smoke and mirrors of the Communist no, Party saying, oh, it's just because we're getting old. It's like, well, not really. You have more people on the planet than anyone. Um, and yeah. most of and, them are men. Yes. Um, but yeah, no, every, but everybody else is like, it's because of the sex discrepancies and the sex trade. And, but it's not going to, the two child policy is not going to get rid of, the sec the problem with female babies. No, it's it because every family's gonna want a boy and a girl. Right, boy first. So yeah, they're gonna not take any chances. Right, they're gonna still do all the horrible things. And as medical technology advances, now they're gonna they're you can sex your baby <gasps> in utero. Right, and abort it. Wow, that's see that's why they when that and that all works out in uh, in I, in Apple's favor for the iPhones, so yeah. that they can right. use the dead babies to f you know forward the touchscreen technology. You crack me up. I I on okay I don't honestly believe that. I mean I'm not that crazy. No, but no. it is but it is funny. a funny joke and it does bring up some of the issues that happen yeah. in China with like you know I don't know human rights violations you know drowning what's, uh, baby girls whatever. Uh, how many what's the uh, kid restriction in San Francisco. You oh, must have a kid restriction, right? Because there's no kids here. There's tons kids. of kids here. There are tons I of kids. I thought the, most of the people, most okay. of the kids you babysit are like 21, 22, right? <laughs> yeah. They're called comedians. They're called comedians. No, th uh, there are a lot of kids here, but you don't see them because they're really rich. And right. so we hang out in the mission where now there are kids here. We see there are, there's lots of kids. Um, they're at the park with their nannies right now. Well, right. here's the difference. What's the difference between a mommy and a nanny? I, I give up. Uh, there isn't one. They're both on their cell phone the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> even the dogs have cell phones in the park. I don't even know what's happening. Like even the the one ten year old. I'm going to hang out with some kids at at uh, five o'clock here up the street, mm -hmm. and one of them is ten years old, and she has an iPhone better than me. Well, I don't have an iPhone, but she has a great phone. And I'm like, what do you need this for? And she says, well, I text my friends. I'm like you're ten. What could you possibly text mm -hmm. friends? And she's like, well, emojis. And I'm like, what? Which? What emojis do you send them? She's like, hearts, smiley faces. I don't know, eggplants. I'm like, what is even, what does that mean? Why would you send someone an eggplant? What does that mean? <laughs> I don't even, it's, it's, it's funny. Egg, eggplants are funny. I, I get I it. I guess. Mm -hmm. I, 
but I think that uh, small children should not be uh, texting. Well, what age do you think it's appropriate for children to have uh, a, a cell phone? I think this that is it's a great question. I actually. think it's appropriate for a seven-year-old to have a cell phone, but it should only have two numbers on it. It should have like nine one one, mom and dad, and that's it. So if some and that, maybe the that, school. That, so you're going to force these kids to to speak to their parents. What do their parents do to deserve that? Uh, I'm going to force them. Well, the thing is, the the point is that young children, if they have a phone, yes. it should only be for emergencies because who else are they going to talk to? Like you should be able to talk to the police if it's stranger danger. You should be able to talk to like the fire department if you burn your house down. If your parents leave you alone, like losers, you should be able to call your parents if something happens at school. You should be able to call the school if something happens at school at school or whatever. But but there's no reason for for a seven year old to be calling a friend. What are they going to talk about? Barbies? I, I, like, I agree. I, and I think um, I, I think that there are some kids who are young who are old enough to be able to navigate dialing one or two numbers. Sure. Um, in the case of you know situation where it's like divorced parents where sure. the swap happens like at school so one parent drops off the other one picks up you want them to be able to call their other parent if Absolutely. the other parent doesn't show up for some reason school and then emergency. Yeah. Yeah. And then and that's it. And then they can learn the responsibility of a phone because that's the problem too like I mean I'm a, I'm 41 and I grew up without I didn't have a cell phone until 97 and I didn't I mean I had a computer in college and everything but it wasn't like the way it is now with porn like you can get any kind of porn on your cell phone and we're just giving 12 year old boys willy-nilly like access to all this porn I well, mean, but even they, if you're but they have parent. access to porn anyway. Yes. I know they, but there's like, there's gotta be. Right. Because their parents give them computers and tablets and right. all that kind of stuff. I just. And they're on the internet. They can get on the internet on their freaking um, Xbox 360. That's true. I mean, I guess I'm just, I'm a Luddite and I just really wish that kids read books instead of staring at computer screens. But it, this is, no, seriously. And I, I hang out with these high school kids on Thursdays and we do a show here and they were talking about video games or whatever. And I said, how many hours a night do you do of video games? And the one kid's like, well, I get home about six and I'm on it pretty much until my mom kicks me off to go to bed, which is like 10. So I said, when do you do your homework? They're like, oh, I do my homework before six o'clock before I get home. Get home. Yeah. So I said, you spend four hours a night playing video games. And they're like, yeah. And I said, what about Saturday? So, oh, Saturday all day, Sunday all day. And I was like, so what does it do for you? Do you think it makes you a smarter person? You think it makes you better at school? And they're like, no, it's just really fun. <laughs> and I feel like we're, I don't know, like, I just I have a problem with all of the technology that's happening. All right, and, and, to and our and our one listener is departing. She's got to run, probably to go have cocktails. But she Wait. wanted to just say that she needed she that the kids also need to be able to call Domino's. Oh, that's because fair they enough. need to because mom's not fixing dinner because she's enjoying happy hour. Sure, that's yeah. totally fair. Domino's, police, parents, school. Yep, that's it. That's Done. all I get. Yep, and maybe not Domino's. Maybe Roundtable. Whatever. Well, you can actually text an emoji now to. <laughs> to uh what's it called to uh dominoes and they'll send you a pizza you don't even have to say like i want a pizza you just send them an emoji of a pizza and somehow they know that's freaky it, yeah because they they have access to your phone right and they know everything 
Indeed. And on that note, we're going to take a short musical break of one song, and I'm going to play me some Prince because I love Prince, Aww. and I feel, yeah. yeah. So, um, but I need just another minute because, of course, uh, my phone. So, so when we come back from the break, you can give us a call at 415-550-0511. That's the station number if you'd like to talk to, to Pam and discuss her uh, child-rearing techniques. Uh, that's the number to call. And, and if you call us on Tuesdays from 4 to 6, that's every Tuesday here in the Mission. You'll get uh, somebody, almost always the Stacy, but yes, but, the uh, Stacy, the Stacy. Yep. Or you can get a hold of us at uh, Stacy at Power uh, to Unleash the Rain. You can get a, actually get a hold of Stacy at Power Three too. Yep. All right, we'll be right back. Can you picture this? 